It's always great to be here. It's uh, always look forward to the, I don't know how many years I've been here, it's too long. I'm gonna put a piece of bubble gum uh, under a chair each time I come <laughs> so I can count them and have something to eat when I'm here. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it was very sad um, being reminded of what happened in Charleston. Um, we heard the news on Wednesday night and in a, uh, slain in a Bible study, very sad. Um, you know, it's gonna be part of the message, so I'm, I won't talk much about it right now. But I always like to uh, update you with what has happened now. Not much happens. I was here four, five weeks ago. So I'll make up a few things that happened. No, one thing that actually happened was I preached like five weeks ago. And um, then I taught two days later, seminary in an evening course. And then I taught Thursday in an evening course. And then I came home and I said, man, I'm a, I'm a wreck. And uh, that Thursday night, 11 p.m., my wife drove me to the emergency room uh, at the Kaiser in South City. Now. If you don't know me, I, I don't like going to the doctor, okay? And I have medical, you know, I have, I have Kaiser insurance and stuff like, so it's like, it's, it's paid for, you know, except for the copay. And um, I don't know, I'm with the one, you know. I, I just don't like to go because I don't like blood being drawn. Okay, I just wanna tell you, I just don't like it. And I have autoimmune and um, oftentimes they have to check your blood when you're taking medications because you're drawing vials of blood. And I said, what, what is this, you know? And so I, I had to go and, um, it was just, I was really achy, and my face had really looked like, I, I was telling somebody, I said, look, look, uh, um, I, it looked like I had been in a fight with Man Manny Pacquiao, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and so I went to uh, the, uh, the emergency room uh, that Thursday evening, about 11 p.m., and you go to the receptionist, and they said, well, what's, what's, what are you experiencing? And I just took off my glasses, and she said, oh, and we will take care of you, and, uh, you know, and so, you know, when they take care of you, you know, they, they put me in front of everybody. Not there's a lot of people at MPM, but you know, you know, they give you the, I was like, put in front of the line, you know, people with their, you know, no arms, you know, they, I'm, I'm put ahead of them because it's a really a mess, you know. And um, they dripped steroids in me. And I'll tell you, now I know why, I know it's a different type of steroid, but now I know why professional athletes like the stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, it is sort of like magic, you know? I'll do it, and next month I'll be bulking up, looking like you know, like like Mr. <laughs> Universe. You know, it's like it's an amazing thing. And then you're dripping it. So I was like, wow, it's just it's incredible the type of stuff. But then it has all the side effect, and you can't be on it too long. So I've been I was on oral steroids for like a little over a week, and now uh, I'm weaning off and and feeling much better. And so uh, you could always pray for me. It is a chronic thing that the Lord has in His wisdom given to me that I do not understand, that I do not wish. It was ever upon me or wish upon anybody, but it is something that I experience. Now, I love this theme, Heroes of the Faith. Okay, I love it. Okay. And I, uh, this week, uh, we had the privilege of seeing uh, great heroes of the faith in real time. I mean, part of this message is to look at Old Testament people and to see how they lived out their faith. It's old school faith. But also part of my intention of this message is to bring up modern day examples of heroes of the faith and encourage you, us all to be heroes of the faith. So this week, there was a, a lot of heroes of the faith. I counted at least uh, uh, 11 heroes of the faith, 10 or 11, okay. You say, who are they? Okay, unless you're from Cleveland and in <laughs> denial, okay. <laughs> you know, should know 
that the Golden State Warriors are, there's a guy who's, uh, you know. You know, for some reason, I knew you weren't from Cleveland, you know, when I was sitting in front of you, you know. And, you know, so much, I almost bought the World Championship Golden State Warrior commemorative shirt from Costco for $13.99, you know. I was almost, I was almost going to get it, okay, because it's the euphoria, you know, it's 40 years, right? Now, the MVP was Andre Iguodala. And the first thing, he says, God is great. He thanks God because of his, 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 his Christian background. There's another unknown player on the Warriors who is probably the strongest believer of everyone on the team, who's very, very uh, uh, open with his faith. You know, you might have heard of him, Steph Curry, okay? <laughs> MVP of the season, very strong Christian wife, his parents were very strong Christians, okay? So, two people deserving to be modern heroes of the faith because what sometimes it takes is the ability to use what God has given to you, but to put it in the context of the bigger program of God so that he gets the glory and to publicly declare. You know, you think, you know, it's, you think it's easy to put God when you succeed in a public arena, it's not that, it's not that easy anymore, especially in a post-Christian world, and those people did it. So, you know, they're well-deserving heroes of the faith for this week. Now, there are, uh, I said nine or 10, so I read two, I said nine, I said 10 or 11. I have nine more heroes of the faith, and I'm gonna give you their first names. Their names are Clementa, Depayne, Cynthia, Tawangza, Sharonda, Mira, Ethel, Susie, and Daniel. These are the nine people who were murdered in South Carolina uh, in a Bible study at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church on Wednesday night. A part of me says, how can I mention them as heroes of the faith? What did they do? Instead of heroes of faith, yeah, they should be people like Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala, people who, 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 who do great things for God and you can actually see the greatness that they do. But they don't seem to be heroes of the faith. They seem to be victims because of their faith. And you know, they're good, honorable mention, but no way do you put them up with people who achieve. See, that's the natural part of me. And when I talk about the natural part, I'm talking about the natural part of me in, in, in various parts of this sermon. I'm talking about the fact that I'm American, the fact that 21 years I am lived in New York City, born and raised New Yorker, and you know you can't ever get that out of me. <laughs> 25 years I lived in the Bay Area, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been here for a while, you know, I'm not a newbie, you know, and I'm Asian American, baby. <laughs> Asian American, you know, proud, card-carrying Asian American, you know. So those parts of me, I'm saying, nah, man, they don't deserve to be heroes of the faith, you know, because they, you got to accomplish something. You know, to accomplish something, then you're a hero of the faith. See, that's what people say. And, and, and this, how can they be heroes? It seems like God let them down, man. Because if, if they were truly heroes, shouldn't their faith have protected them from some way, some way they wouldn't have been at the place, the gunman, his, his, his car runs out of gas or something like that? How could God that allow that, that to happen, you know? 
And that's a very, very interesting question. For those who do not believe in God or do not believe in a personal God, they say, look, that God doesn't exist because he, he didn't help you. For others who have a sort of religious, they said, you know, they think that, that faith is something that helps them, protects them from things. So how does that work? Oftentimes people have misconceptions of faith and they have parts of what is involved in defining faith. You say, what do you mean by that? You see, faith involves understanding facts, creeds, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he was resurrected from the dead, that he returns again, okay? So important are these facts that I don't think you could be a follower of, of Jesus if you deny any of these things. These are so basic. But that does not make you a believer, you know? That does not make you a follower of God. It is involved in faith, but doesn't make you that. Sometimes faith also includes a, a, a quantitative aspect, that you could have more faith and less faith. And oftentimes that is related to prayer, that if you don't believe things in happening, why will God work? Because you have no confidence in what will happen. So there is a quantitative aspect of faith. But that is not the center of faith. What we're talking about is a type of understanding of faith that transcends these two things, that is at the core of someone's existence and how we live life. And we are going to look at that definition from the eyes of the writer of a book in the New Testament known as the book of Hebrews. And it's in chapter 11, a chapter better known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. For in this chapter, the writer describes what old school faith was all about. And old school faith is the same as new modern day faith. If you have your programs, there are three passages that are written here, and I will read. I will read them and then bring a quite lengthy definition, and I'll describe what that is after I read this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2 and 6. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now, before we get into this verse, there's just some, some very important points. That the word hope is there. Hope means future, not that you can actually experience it in this life. There's a future element to faith. There's a confidence that that future element is as good as done. Okay? And the, that last line in verse 1, it gives an assurance about things we cannot see. It is otherworldly. It is a spiritual goal that has already been accomplished. It's the understanding of the reality of it. And in the Old Testament, this is how they operated. Verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That faith is at the basis of how we live and operate, but in that end verse, or the end line of verse six, that God ultimately is going to benefit all those who seek after him and believe. Now, this is what is in these verses. I'm gonna give you a longer definition or description of faith, so let's shoot it up on the screen. First, as a Sort of a summary again, it is a conviction of an unseen reality. This is a very, very important point because I'll tell you what, you did, none of us saw Jesus die on the cross, okay? 
None of us saw him resurrected from the dead, okay? None of us ever seen the transaction that our sins are forgiven, okay? No one ever, we didn't hear Jesus say, hey, you know, I'm coming back, okay? In one sense, it's a reality we know, even though none of us were there, okay? There's no evidence of it. There's no DNA, no photograph, no YouTube video. Let's continue. That redefines our future. It's reality that makes the future into the present reality. See, oftentimes we define future in our lifetimes. When I was young and like in elementary school, the future was junior high school. Okay, I just want to tell you, we have very short, you know, when you're young, it's really short. When I get big, you know, junior high, then it's high school, then it's college, you know. When it's 20, then it's like, what am I going to do, you know, work and stuff like that, relationships, okay. When you get to my age, man, vision is social security, baby, you know. Uh, you know it's, very, it's, it's retirement, you know. You got, I, I'm joking around myself, you know. It's very different. You know, when, you, when you're 15, who cares about social security? Who cares about retirement? That's like, that's like ages, man, because your future looks different, what you base your life. So what this guy is saying is, look, as a believer, yeah, we live on earth, and we have these futures of our earthly ages and the, and the things we go through, but as a believer, there is a future in the distance that even though we do not see it, begins to redefine how we look at life beyond social security, beyond relationships, beyond being college, beyond going into junior high. It redefines our future so that the reality of what Christ has done begins to change our goal and vision and may I say purpose in life. Next line. So that our life and actions reflect this new reality. See, sometimes people say, what does God want from us? Does he want me just to go to church, go to church, and then I live my life? It's just sort of a ritual type of thing or something you do to meet friends. And, you know, it's good that you, you, that you come, you know, if you fit in this category, learn about Jesus and stuff like that uh, sometimes. But what this writer is saying and what we're going to see in Hebrews verse chapter 11 is that this type of faith is not an attending type faith. I attend something, therefore I have faith. Or I got baptized, and that's why I have faith. Now, baptism is really good. I mean, all of you should get baptized if you believe in, in Christ, you see. But it's not talking about attending something or doing one thing in your life to prove that you have this faith. It's actually seeing the reality of what will come and changing your outlook in life. Changes everything changes the life and actions and to reflect this new reality because you see differently. Next line. Now, this is the hardest one. Regardless of what happens in this life. Okay, there's a part of me that doesn't, doesn't understand this. And when I say that, the part of me that doesn't understand, doesn't understand this is the American part, it's the New Yorker part, it's the California part, and it's the Asian American part. I don't understand this because you know what? In America, I learned 
that, you know, you work hard enough, you get what you get, and you can succeed in life. The New Yorker part wants justice, always fairness, and if we follow God, God should, I do my job, God does his job. New York's a union state, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do mine, you protect me, God, you know? Fight this, you know? Californian, it's a freedom state. You know, enjoy, God should protect me. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness is a, is a, is a motto, state motto of California, you know? <laughs> and then the Asian American part of me, I said, look, man, my whole heritage, the purpose of religion is to get God to be on your side. So that line, regardless of what happened, we gotta unpack that because that's a hard one. Next line, because God has a plan for mankind through Jesus Christ, and this is important, the whole plan and hope. The hope isn't your, what you desire. The hope is the bigger plan of this reality of what is coming through Christ. And the final one, that results in complete benefit for us. And following that third line I read, regardless of what happens in this life, seems like in contradiction to that last line that results in complete benefit for us. But when you understand how they fit, it'll change and transform your understanding of faith and what this life is all about. After this description of faith, and this is a sort of a summary of verses 1, 2, and 6, and also the context of the book of Hebrews, the writer in chapter 11 begins to give examples of people in the Old Testament who had this faith. But instead of saying what it looked like on the inside, they talked about this faith that cannot be seen, that has a conviction of things that cannot be seen. They talked about what it looked in real life as they lived and acted. Their experiences, their triumphs, and how they ended. The very, very first person that is mentioned is very strange. There's a part of me that does not understand why this person makes the first one. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, and listen as I read. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. He said, well, who are these people? They're brothers, Cain and Abel, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Now, what in the world is going on? Okay, they're all very old people, okay? Everyone that's mentioned is dead, okay? Just want to tell you that. But when they're saying, oh, though he is dead, he still speaks, okay. The writer is being very, very kind. Because if you want to know the true story behind this, and some of you have been, have, know the Bible stories, Cain is the first murder victim in the Bible. And he's murdered by his brother. He makes the Hall of Fame of faith. Abel worships correctly and was murdered. A part of me, I don't understand this. What does he do? He's a murder statistic, and he makes the Hall of Fame of faith. 
I don't understand this. I'm going to miss, uh, skip some. We just got to go real quickly. We go to verse 7, to someone who, is, who has a different fate. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, let's put up the next one. Noah delivered and continued the human race. Okay? He builds the ark. Okay? There's a movie with Russell Crowe recently, okay, uh, that I, I need to see, okay? Or maybe I don't need to see, okay? <laughs> but people should know this, okay? Okay, I give you the choice. You want to be Noah? Save the human race. Be a living person, like in a Bruce Willis movie, you know? Or you want to be Abel, murdered. Give you five seconds to choose. Time's up. I think most of you would have chosen Noah. Okay? It's Bruce Willis, man. I would have said Arnold Schwarzenegger, but after the governor, you know, you mean he's not as popular anymore, you know? <laughs> Some of you might have chose Abel. We have trained medical personnel waiting to assist you with some strong medication. Uh, if you chose able, okay? I don't, I don't think you choose able. You don't want to be the first. You know, it's like, I don't, I say, you, you want to be champion. You want to be champion. You want to be, Le, you want to, I always say LeBron. I said, oh, wow. You want to be Steph Curry. You want to be Andre Iguodala, you know? You want to be those people, you know? You want, you, you, you don't, you don't, you, you see, that's how we, that's how we operate. You say, how, 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 how can they place both of these in the same list? Let's look at verse 8. I'm going to read, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which was he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents. Abraham gave up his homeland for the promise of God. Okay? Now, you don't know. It was a great sacrifice. Now, unless we're, we're natives, Native American Indians, all of us have immigrant heritage, okay? If you are first-generation immigrant and you are not wealthy, it is tough to be an American. You're wealthy, no problem. If you're first-generation immigrant and you work minimum wage, it is tough, I'll tell you that. That was Abraham's sort of, sort of fate there. We go to Sarah. Let's go to the next one. Sarah got a miraculous child. Sarah is Abraham's wife. You know, I like that. I think that's great. Great answer to prayer, you know. Now, as a man, I don't want that prayer to be answered to me. I don't want to be the first man that has a woman. You know? I mean, a woman that has a baby. You know, I don't want, I don't want that, you know. But if I was a woman, that'd be a great answer to prayer. I still put them at the list. I think I like Noah first. That's my first choice. I want Noah. Uh, maybe the second choice, if I was a woman, Sarah. Abraham's okay. <laughs> Abel, no, man. It's on the bottom. You know, if I have to choose, Abel. They go into the next one, Moses. I won't even read. He gives up his lavish upbringing and freed a people. Pretty good. 
I don't like the giving up the lavish lifestyle. If I had it, I want to keep the lavish lifestyle and deliver people. Then you get both of worst, uh, a best of both worlds. But you can't have it. You know, not as good as Noah. Second place. After this, the writer gives a whole list in very fast sequence of people who succeeded. And I'm going to read verse 30 on. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along uh, who were disobedient with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will, not, will fail me if I tell of, and time is failing me. There's so many of them in the Old Testament. Of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah. These are Old Testament of judges of David, of Samuel, and of the prophets. He's just putting them all together. There's plenty of these heroes of the faith. Verse 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. This I understand. This I understand. Some saw the miraculous deliverance of God. These are all the Bible stories you, you hear and you read of, okay? Well deserving of the moniker, the, the title, heroes of the faith, because they could actually, you could actually see the deliverance of God in their life. But the writer ends with a very infamous list for in verse 35 to verse 38 he ends the list with these four verses and the list ends how does he end the list and others were tortured not accepting their release so they might obtain a better resurrection and others experienced mockings and scourgings Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world uh, was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And the list ends. Now, if you we're following me. This is how this list of heroes of the faith goes. It starts off with a bad one. The midsection, a lot of good ones. And he ends with bad ones again. And when you understand why he can put this list together, you realize a few things in life. You realize that the experience in life and how one ends or experiences is not the issue because there are other facets and other themes that are more important. Let's go with the reflection. I'm coming to the end of the message. Reflection number one. Faith reminds us that this world is not the final destination, that the, world, the next world actually matters. You know, it happens oftentimes. I have, the, I have, the, I have, a, I have a, a problem of comparing, okay, my life with other people. 
Okay, I don't know what that is. That's from, I think that's from being an American, being a New Yorker, being a Californian, being Asian American, you know? Compare your life with other people. Because you want every life to be fair, right? You want life to be just. What you get, you're supposed to get. You don't like that someone, you know, going over you who gets like an inside deal and you're just left there and you don't get it. You don't, you don't like it. When you feel you're qualified, but the person who knows the boss gets the job even though you're the less qualified. That happens all in life, you know? It's very, very important that you don't compare in life because if you compare yourself with other people in life, you're going to be very, very unhappy, tell you that. You don't have to be a religious person to understand that. But also this reflection applies to people who perhaps uh, if you put your life in terms of the order of these heroes of faith are not in the center but on the ends. Everyone likes the center of this list. We don't like the ends of this list. Some of us will experience the ends of the list. And you need to be, to encu you need to be encouraged. That is the next world that actually matters. And not to be discouraged in life. But there's another reflection. Faith invites us to see God work through our lives. Some of you, and I would say most of you, because most of you are younger than me, not all. You know, some of you are around my age. God bless you folk, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I, feel, I feel age is, is a blessing, actually. I just w wish my body uh, felt it too, you know. Uh, but most of you, have your future ahead of you. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be a hero of the faith so that you put the confidence in the future and what Christ has accomplished for you. And the certainty of that becomes more and more clear in your life so that your life is not just decided by earthly things but that Christ now and what he has accomplished for you is now in tandem with how you live life. So if you're a parent, it's not just providing for your children. It's raising your children so that they will love Jesus when they're 25 years old. If you're in a relationship, it's not just finding romance, it's finding someone that you can help and they can help you and you can help each other grow in Christ and be better people. For you who work, it's not just making a paycheck and getting a promotion, it's having the mindset of Christ to see it as your ministry and at times to elevate Christ as a testimony that he is what is more important to you than the title or the check that you get. For others, it will go into ministry. For others, it will be volunteering in some fashion at Cornerstone. There is so much you can do because you come more to the realization that life is not just doing what everyone else does. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know a different reality. And it changes us. I still go to Kaiser. I still fill up my gas at Kaiser. I still buy 20 pounds of Rice at Kaiser, not Kaiser, Costco. 
I don't buy gas at Kaiser, I buy it at Costco, I'll tell you that. I'm getting old, you know, I'm getting old. We do things that everyone else does. But we begin to do things that are different because we have a new reality. The final reflection. Faith invites us to change the trajectory of our lives in light of what is to come. Some of you, this is your first message, exploring Christ, but you don't know whether you want to really believe or commit in this. And you say to yourself, why should I commit to this God? If there's no guarantee of the payout in this life, what's the benefit? You know, what's the benefit of it? Well, let me, let me tell you, the payout is guaranteed, but it's not always in this life. I also want to tell you that there's marvelous things that you can do, and you will see the transformation of God in the bulk of the people that you see. But also, there's something about Christ that if you understand it, can begin to change how you view life so that you do not respond as the average human being anymore. What do you mean by that? I have on my, my smartphone, because Christians can use smartphones too. This is an article by Jeffrey Collins, Associated Press, so it's not a Christian thing. And he reports a few days after, uh, this was actually on Friday, June 19th, two days after um, the murder of nine. They caught him quickly. I didn't see the date now. I see it's two days, so it's 48 hours. This is what he describes of the arraignment. The family members of the slain were there. The first three words, the first sentence, three words, they forgave him. Pardon me, I don't understand this. Part of me, the New York part, the New York part of me would spit at him. This is 48 hours. I don't understand this. The New Yorker part of me says, burn in hell. Okay? It's 48 hours. This is how the article continues. They forgave him. They advised him to repent of his sins and ask for God's mercy on his soul. One even told Dylan Stormroof to repent and confess and, quote, unquote, you'll be okay. Okay, like I said, part of me don't understand this. But the part that believes in Christ totally understands this. Because we are not bound by how natural people respond. Because we have a hope that is certain and future, no matter what happens in our lives. And I ask you, for the bulk of you, to use the gifts that God has given to you and do great things for him and change your family and change your workplace and do great things, minister people. But I also want to say, don't be discouraged when the downturn comes because this life is not everything. 
and the certainty of Christ has been made sure and complete because it was paid with his blood on the cross for us. It ends with verse 38, the list, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. I will add another line. Verse 38b. And nine were killed at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. These all triumphed in faith. Allow me to pray for you. We will receive the offering and then the final song. Our Heavenly Father, may you uplift us all, understand deeply what it means to believe and trust in you. Help us navigate in life. Encourage some in the depth of discouragement. Give boldness to others who are free and who can do great things for you, Lord. But for all of us, incorporate your future in our present. For we pray this in Jesus' name.